Hey, everybody. Hey. How are we all doing? They can't answer us, Erica. They can. We just wouldn't hear it. Oh, that's true. But welcome to the Yamcast. My name is Erica. And I'm Chris. And we are here to talk about young adults, how to navigate that phase of life. Yeah. I know it was kind of a struggle for me. Still is, let's be honest. So, you know, we just come here and chat about that. Yeah, and that's where we get the name Yam Cast, Young Adult Ministry. So, we love talking to college students and young adults, like we said, and if you want to talk to us, we have the social medias, all of them. Well, Not a, all of a them. A couple of them. <laughs> the Yam Cast, and then yamcastpod at gmail.com is the address to reach us at. And we are going to really dive into young adult life. Yes. By chatting about adulthood today. Yeah, and we're going to start a new, I don't even know if this is going to become a segment, but we thought we'd try something out. Seven questions. Seven questions. And so uh, mm-hmm. on the topic of adulthood, we're going to ask each other seven questions, and we're going to just be honest and real with you because, well, hopefully by now you've realized that's pretty much what we do anyway. Honest and real? There are times where my wife says to me, thank you for that. Oh, and you're like, oh, too honest? Too, too on- real? No, not too honest or too real. She's fine with it. But she yeah. says, really? You went there? Yes, I did. And you're like, didn't think that would happen. Yeah. So here we go. Mm-hmm. So adulting, our favorite topic. As as the who calls, I mean, who started that, calling it adulting? I don't know. It's perfect. It's it, great. It became word. a thing, yeah. Because it really is like a thing. It's not just, right. oh, yeah. I'm an adult. It's a big, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. Adulting. It is. And adulting is a great way to describe it. Mm -hmm. So with this seven questions thing, I was thinking about it too, as, as a leader of a ministry, sometimes I'm always trying to find a question that I can get groups to talk about Mm -hmm. as the group's getting started. So it's going to, you know, these things are going to crack us up in a little bit, but maybe it might be a good thing to use a couple of these with your group at some point. Oh Yeah. And just ask the question and then have the group share what's funny or not funny. I don't know. What's real. Yeah. Tons of ways you can use it. So so with that in mind, here's our first question. So Erica, when did you first, and I put this in quotes, most feel like an adult? What was the moment of your life that you said, I'm an adult. This is awesome. So – I would say I wasn't actually an adult yet. Like, I wasn't 18 yet. That's but, okay. But when I got my driver's license, uh. that's really when I felt like, wow, like, this is a big deal. Because I remember, um, yeah, just being like, I can drive myself places. And I got it before a few of my friends did. And so driving them around, but yeah. also just realizing that responsibility of like, totally. I have these people in my car. I need to take care of them. So I just remember having a little bit of that, like, weight, but also, like, not in a bad way, but just like a you should. When you first get your driver's license, you should realize that it is a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. You have a car that can be a weapon. You know, like, it's it's oh, a yeah. big deal. So just realizing, like, and I almost maybe in some ways felt like I wasn't old enough. You know, you're just like, ooh, mm-hmm. should I really be able to do this right now? <laughs> you know, like, I can actually drive this around. But I think that's when I first felt like an adult was when, yeah, I got that, that driver's license. Freedom. Yeah. I mean, it was just... Such a weird feeling to be driving and, like, my mom's not sitting right there. Right. Yeah. Or your mom's not driving. 
Well, I mean, yes, yes. Yeah, totally. Yes, that. of course. And you have an older brother. How did did he drive you around a lot, or did you not really like that, so you avoided Jeremy's driving? To be honest, I don't even know if I remember. Oh. Like, I don't really know if I remember in high school, like when he was in high school, like him driving me around a ton. Hmm. I mean, he probably did. I do remember when he came back for like summers or different things. Like I remember him driving me around a little bit then. Um, but yeah, I don't even know if I recall that. There's, I mean, there's things back then that obviously I just don't even right. remember, you know? Or it's possible it was so terrifying. I was like, never again! <laughs> that you've wiped it out of your brain altogether. Because yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to even remember. He most likely did. But he was also super busy, always had a job, always playing a sport. So there might not even have been a lot of time for him to drive me around places. Hmm. I don't know. It's hmm. a good question, though. What about you? When did you first feel, most feel, quote unquote, like Yeah. I think I most felt like an adult uh, shortly after I turned 18, like the day that I turned 18. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> So that's like the question people ask you. Do you feel older? Yeah, feel I like did. I woke up that morning and I remember thinking, I'm 18. This is awesome. And so after school, I went to the store and I believe I bought <laughs> a lottery ticket and I thought it was the greatest thing. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever done that ever again. And, mm. I, and I don't know why I associated that with adulthood, but it felt really good. Like, I, I can do this. And I also felt good about them checking my ID. Ooh. And I didn't even have to have a fake one. I <laughs> also like, and it was real. I also never had a fake one, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. just to be really clear on this podcast. Yes, I agree. I'm not advocating for that. If you're a young adult in a ministry and you have a license that's of your brother so that it looks like you're twenty one or your sister, so no. it looks like you're twenty one, you are making a mistake. Back away from the ledge. <laughs> Yeah, so that was probably it for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is like a pivotal thing of being 18 is there's like there's things you can now do. So yeah, and doing one of those definitely helps to solidify that you're an adult. Totally. Totally. So when did you first really <laughs> feel like an adult? Uh, so <laughs> after my senior year, my mom worked at a paper company. They printed magazines and things. It was called Quebecor. You'd read it as Quebecor because mm. we're Americans and we don't like saying things normal. So Quebecor, uh, I had to work in the factory that summer to make money so I could go to college in the fall. Mm. And I learned two things that summer. One, I don't like adulthood. <laughs> you were like, this is not what it's cracked up to be. I did not like uh, having to go to bed at night. I did not like having to wake up early in the morning. I did not like having to go to a hot, stinky factory all day. I did not like having to take, you know, those scholastic magazines that you Mm -hmm. get at school. I did not like taking those and buffering them so they had a little bit of air in between them and then dropping them into a machine and then doing it again at the machine next to it and again at the machine next to it. And sometimes there were 30 of these in a line and I had to keep all of them going. And I... I was a really good student, so a lot of people think I'm a really smart person. I would find myself thinking about things that were interesting to me, and then I would realize that I'm being yelled at by the foreman because this paper did not make – I don't have any more papers in it, and I need to go quick. 
So they didn't like that. So I, you get distracted. Yeah, they didn't like that I stayed with it. So that was the first thing I learned. I did not like adulthood. Second thing I learned is I am not meant to work in a factory. Yeah, that's I was gonna say. There, there were so you many. Realized this is not the work for me. There were so many people that summer that said things to me like, "I have le- I've worked here for thirty five years and I've loved every minute of it." And I remember trying to keep a straight face. I'm not sure if I did a good job, <laughs> and just saying, "That is so good for you." And remembering, I cannot wait to go to college like, in the this fall. This can't be me. If this is what you need to do to get a college education and not do this for the rest of your life, I am going to do it. Now, for anybody who's working in a factory, if you're a tradesman, if you're, you know, you're a young adult, and you're not necessarily in a college ministry. We totally get it. I uphold that. I love that about you. I'm all Especially for it. Especially if you love it. Like, yeah. Then, then do it. It was just not for me. But you, that was a good realization. Holy cow. That you were like. And this is what's going to really springboard me through college. Yes. There were many moments in college where I thought, I don't really like this. I don't want to do this anymore. And then I thought, oh, the alternative. Let's go. Let's yeah, get, let's, let's put this together. We can make it work. So I don't like putting books together. I love reading books. And so that's kind of what okay. settled in my heart that, that summer. And, and I, I figured it out. How about you? When did you first really feel like an adult? So mine was... Probably when, um, when I, so after graduation at the end of the summer, I flew to Ecuador for a year of schooling and like doing that by myself, like, cause, uh, my first flight was technically delayed. And so my mom was able to come in and just sit with me while we waited. Okay. But then the rest of it was on my own. So, and I knew I kept looking around seeing like, oh, is that person coming? Is that person going to be one of my classmates? But I never met anyone until I arrived in Ecuador and then figured it out. But because my first flight was delayed, then that means my second flight was – I missed it. So I had to wait for the – like, so just all of those little mm-hmm. things and me having to do it on my own, I was like, nobody's here to hold my hand. I've just got to figure it out and talk to people and I've realized that a lot along the way. When you're by yourself, you just have to ask questions. You just have to talk to people to figure out what you need to do if you're in an unknown situation. So right. that was a big one. Once I got there, it was a lot better, obviously, because I was surrounded with other classmates and there were people there to help us out. And But even going through customs, like I had, I, th- I mean, I had been out of the country before, but I was not by myself right. when I was out of the country before. So this was like, what are they asking? I don't know. Just beyond, you know, like there's just so many unknowns that I just had to figure out. And that I think was the first time that was like, okay, you can do these things. Like you don't need somebody next to you holding your hand. Right. You are an adult. So you need to do it. Nobody else is going to go ask that gate agent about your flight. You are going to have to go ask them about your flight. So that was probably the first time of me realizing you just got to do it. So, so 18, yeah. Yeah. So 18 years old flying internationally nervous. Oh yeah. Anxious. Oh, of course. Freaking just, I mean, there was a lot of sitting, so that helped. You know what I mean? Like you're just sitting at the airport, you're just sitting on the plane, but it was, yeah. Like making sure to get on your flight. Like, and that's how I feel almost before every flight. Don't miss your flight. Don't miss your flight. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't have them find something in security, you know, whatever it might be. But no, it was very, it was very nerve wracking. It just the missing of the flight. I think anytime you miss a flight, it's nerve wracking. So right. 
even when I had to do that recently, a few years ago, I missed a flight. And that was even more adulting where mm. I had to like, I had to book my own hotel to stay at because they didn't have another flight into the next day. And then I had to call them to get a, to get a um, shuttle. Like, yeah, that was a lot of adulting. And I was like, I could do that. I could travel on my own. Yeah, there's lots of that. So, You had your own amazing race experience, it sounds like. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Without the host and the camera people. And the prize at the end. And the huge prize at the end. <laughs> but even, you know, I, I would love to dive into this more with you, but, you know, it's not the purpose of this whole thing. But even just the idea of going away for a year. You know, I just went to Chicago so I could come home on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Being 18, going to another country for a year, you add that to the stress of it all. I mean, mm-hmm. it just must have been overwhelming. I mean, it was. I remember my mom being like, what was I? Was I a good mom letting you do that at 18? <laughs> like, I feel. But I also was the type of person that was like, if I want to do it, I'm going to do right. it. You know, so. And we were all super proud of you yes. for doing it. We were yeah. excited well, I to see I shouldn't say yes. You. I didn't obviously know all of that. But. Yeah, but we all, I mean, we were like, this is awesome. Look at she's going to Ecuador for a year. So, I mean, we were pretty impressed with you doing it. But it was one of those things where, oh. I mean, and thankfully, I was with other either Canadian or American students, too. So that helped. I knew that. The Americans. My Spanish. They they helped. (laughs) I knew my Spanish didn't have to carry me a ton. Right. I developed it a lot more when I was there. But but no, it was a lot. I I also really like doing things like that where I just go Mm -hmm. and kind of figure it out as we go. I was also at an age where we're all in the same boat, which helps. Like when you're you're older, because I was an adult then, too, but. As an older adult, when you just move somewhere new, that is a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot different than back then because you don't have 20 other people that are in the same boat as you. Right. And you have to do a lot of, a lot more reaching out and trying to make connections. Whereas there, we're all trying to make connections because none of us really know each other. So, yeah. Cool. All right. So, I, I love this question that, that you. You ask good questions like this a lot. What does the adult you wish to tell the younger you? Um, when, you're, when you're younger, you have this plan already set up in your head as to how your life is going to go, mm-hmm. or at least I did. I thought by – I mean, I would go to college. By 25, I would be married, and then I would start having kids. That has not been my path at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what was hard for me to come to grips with is that the plan I had for my head in my head is not the plan that God necessarily had for me at those specific times. And so that took a lot of that took a lot for me to just let go of that, let go of my expectations and really just live in reality. And so not that you don't want to have plans, but I would tell the younger me like, don't put pressure on yourself to have mm-hmm. a plan. But also, just because society says it goes like this, da-da-da-da-da-da, like college, marriage, baby, job, career, like just because society kind of pegs it to go this way or even like the Christian realm kind of says it goes this way, that is not reality. And that's not how everybody's path is going to go. Right. So I think I would just have told myself, like, just relax and kind of go with the flow and just let things yeah. happen instead of – putting pressure on yourself to like find somebody in college or putting pressure on yourself yeah. that you're still single at in your upper twenties or you're still single at 30 or cause I, yeah. So, and I wonder if I, if the young me knew that I would still be single at 30, like how I would 
yeah, how that would have, how I would have like responded to that, you know? Yeah, how you would have adjusted mm-hmm. the plans or the thoughts. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, the adult me would say, get over yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're not that great. Shut up. Sit down. Learn something. Sit down. Learn something. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, what's really funny, and I, I did not ask permission to talk about this story, so I'm going to share it anyway, but Heidi, I love you. Uh, she met me when I was in high school and I don't recall it. First of all, that shows how arrogant I was Mm. that I'm so awesome that I don't even, I don't even notice the ladies. Uh, but you did notice the ladies. Of course I did. (laughs) Of course I did. But I'm just saying like, there's a part of me that there are interactions that I had that I just don't even remember because Mm -hmm. I was so full of myself. I didn't, Mm. I didn't treat people like people. And so when she met me in high school, I was playing a three on three tournament, uh, that her boyfriend was also involved in. And so he introduced us because we, he, her ex-boyfriend and I were friends in high school. He was a few years older. And uh, I don't, first of all, I don't recall it, which is, which is disturbing to me. But second, I was such an arrogant punk that she thought years later when someone said, you should mm. totally talk to Chris Stukenberg, she just totally wiped me off the face. She had no desire to talk to She's me. She's like, I remember him. Yeah. And uh, I was so much better. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you were older. So Years later, old, yeah. I was I was a little I was a little wiser. I had been humbled a lot by some various circumstances in my life, um, but yeah, I, I I I wasn't as arrogant as people think I was because I said things and did things to sort of like make myself sound yes, better. But yeah. I was joking. I, I I don't really believe that about myself. But the way that I came across and the and again the fact that people just didn't necessarily get noticed by me, I don't like that version mm. of me so i would just say you know get sit sit down shut up get over yourself like move on uh so yeah it's it's depressing but that's that's what older me would say to younger me and i'm so much older and wiser now that i mean I, i'm way different yeah. what, what's funny is you don't even notice it but when i my first pastorate was here in this town and then i left to go to seminary and I I did all of that. When I came back to come to my home church, which is not the church that I had my first pastor at, it's confusing, but when I came back, there were folks from that old church that had started to come to here, Park Mm -hmm. Hills. And when I preached my first time, they pulled me aside or they said to their spouse and their spouse told me later, he just sounds different. Mm -hmm. It's like I'd grown up and changed and I didn't even notice it had happened, but it's kind of cool. So if you're, you know, if you're that person, get over yourself uh, or God's going to do it. And it, it's not going to feel fun, but the end result's still the same. I, I suppose. Mean, yeah. so. Just one way is a little easier. Yeah. So here's a question I don't really want to answer. So I'm going to ask you first. What, I love this question. <laughs> I know. Sure you do. <laughs> this is the council corner with Erica moment. It's true. Uh, council corner with Erica. <laughs> no, it's not really a uh, council corner with Erica moment, but all right. What was a hopeless moment of adulthood? And then specifically following that, what helped you out of that? Mm-hmm. So if you don't remember the second question later, could you get tied up in the moment? I'll, I'll ask it yeah. again. But So I would say for me, in a hopeless moment of adulthood, I haven't had a lot of those, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because of this, the, the moment I'm going to talk about and what actually helped has helped create not as many of those cool. going through. So when I was in college, I I remember being best friends. We were both RAs, and I was best friends with her. 
and we spent probably too much time together, actually, and kind of neglected a lot of other relationships, even my roommate. But then when we came back after spring or after Christmas break, I think she felt the same way. So she was trying to create some more boundaries. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just kind of what happens, like, when you love hanging out with somebody, you know? Like, you just hang out with them all the time. And that kind of, yeah, it creates divides in other areas of your life. So she was creating more boundaries. She didn't really talk to me about that, though. So then I just felt slightly ostracized or put to the side. And it was just really hard for me. And I was feeling this. And I remember talking to her about it. And she's like, Erica, we've only been back for, I think it was like two weeks. But this had felt like a month. Like it had felt Mm. so long. And I... I also had just felt, like, for lack of a better word, I felt very depressed. Mm -hmm. Not in, like, a clinical sense, but just in a, like, I can't get out of this funk. I cannot get out of this mood. Um, But also just realizing I had very unhealthy relationships with, just with, like, unhealthy friendships. Mm -hmm. Like, where I always felt insecure. And just realizing a lot of those things. And I was like, this isn't healthy. There, there's got to be something here because I just realized patterns about my friendships going through when I was realizing this about this friendship. And I was like, okay, noticing patterns is good, but, like, I need, I need, I need somebody to help me really navigate how to get through this. And mm-hmm. so what really helped me, which is going into your second question, is counseling. And so, I mean, I already knew that I had some, some dad issues And I already knew a lot of these things. And I had already forgiven my father for things. And I thought I was kind of over those. But all of it really stems from my my father relationship. And so talking with this counselor was extremely beneficial. I saw her for for the the spring semester. And then obviously we were off for summer. Um, And then I went back and saw her again in the fall. So like a a good um, almost a year. But she just, because I wanted these things gone. I wanted all my insecurities Mm -hmm. gone. I wanted all these issues gone. And she, the things that, there's a few things she really said to me. She said, Erica, these things aren't going to be gone because they're actually what make you you. They can be redeemed and transformed into something different, but like they're not going to leave you. Because if they leave you, then you're no longer you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's, that was pivotal for me. Because before I was just wanting it gone. And so right. that those words were super um, helpful to get me to just not, not really like own them, but kind of own yeah. them and move through them. Yeah. And I actually did like or I was beginning to like who I was. And so I was like, well, then I don't want to be something different. I do want to continue to be who I who God created me to be, you know, flaws as I grew up and all. And so. That really helped me just to realize, like, they're not going to be gone. You're probably going to deal with these things the rest of your life. But, like, you can do it in a different way. You can Mm -hmm. do it in a healthier way. You can have better coping strategies than you did when you were a child, you know. So all of those things really helped me to to now when I have issues to really move through them. What triggers them? What what brought me to this point? Like, all Mm -hmm. of those things are what helped me to not have hopeless moments to not really even have lots of moments of anxiety either because I've watched what God's done throughout the years and his promises have been true the entire time he's always provided. So that's good. So that would be my helpless, like my hopeless, my hopeless moment of adulthood. What about you? 
Yeah, let me. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And I think what I'm hearing from you, too, is the the moment of going from trying to be to actually just being mm-hmm. is huge. And, a, and that doesn't make sense to a younger person. It's not until you really become an adult and get secure in who you are. Um, as Christ made you, of course. We're not neg- neglecting any of that. But oh, yes. that's that's huge. So I like that a lot. Because I think, too, when I was going through this, I was talking to a lot of my friends who are being, who are super influential as well, but they were also saying like, this has been 22 years in the making. Like it's not going to be over in a night, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's going to take a long time for these, these things to be fixed and to be changed and transformed. And, um, I mean, one of them really brought up Ecclesiastes three and just Mm -hmm. like, there's a time for everything. And right now this is a time to mourn and this is a time to really figure yourself out. And um, that was really helpful too. I mean, it was like one of the hardest years of my life, but like would not change that at all. Would not want that to be removed at all. So no, it fits the question well. So I like that. Uh, So for me, you know, there's so many to count. uh, There's too many to count um, (laughs) of just being utterly hopeless in in life as an adult. so the one that's probably the most practical to share is we were getting ready to have our second child and uh, we just bought our first house and we were, I was remodeling the house. I was doing 15 credit hours in a master's mm. program. Second kid was born like a couple of weeks before I was in charge of youth ministry, college ministry and children's ministry at the church uh, in Milwaukee that I was serving at. And the children's ministry had had a paid full-time or or part-time person who had stepped back. So I basically, that was given to me right before the year started Mm. kind of thing. And it had five major ministries for the church, Sunday school, VBS program, you know, there was like a children's program. They did multiple programs thing. That was the third one. And then it was Awana and nursery. Those are the five things. Mm, Every one of them, every one of them had a major leader in the church that kind of oversaw it, but I oversaw those leaders and we had children's meetings and all this stuff. Three of those leaders quit that spring. So I'm working too much. I'm putting way too much on myself. And I, I, we got finished with the house. Well, and how can I ask, like, how old were you? So we can kind of have a little context with that. Let's see. Dylan is 11. So I would have been 28. Okay. So like upper 20s. Okay. And I, we got done with the house, at least the, the initial projects that we were working on and we moved into it. But the day that we moved in, I was so sick that I couldn't do anything. So my, my family moved me in and I was in bed sick and they were all, some of them were joking with me about how I got out of it because I have a cough or whatever. <laughs> But I was severely sick to the point where the next day I was I, I was supposed to go to work on Sunday and I, I didn't even go and I didn't tell anybody. I was so sick I didn't even think about texting mm. people. And so then I got, you know, not reprimanded, but talked to on Monday about, hey, it would have been helpful to get a text. And I'm like, if I weren't running 102 fever, I would have loved to have sent if you I weren't a delirious, message. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and, and I I totally understood where they were coming from. I was a little defensive. But but all that to say, it, it I was burnt out and mm. I crashed like – so it got to the point where Heidi and I, you know, looked at each other and we were just like, she was really wise and awesome. And she just looked at me and said, you, you can't do this. You're going to kill yourself. You got to stop. And uh, so I was like, well, what do we do? And we talked through all these different scenarios and uh, 
two major things came out of it. I slowed down with my master's program, which was really helpful. I got over the fact that I had a timeline mm. that needed to change. Yeah, yeah. And then I also realized that I wasn't really in charge of everything. And I had discipled people well, but I wasn't feeling the freedom to release it to them. Mm. So I restructured a lot of things uh, that summer. And the student ministry then started clicking in a way that I just couldn't have dreamed of before. Very humbling for me. So so what helped was I slowed down and I, I just realized you're not as you're not doing what you think you're doing. You need to chill. And uh, to my wife's credit, you know, she she really saved me um, with that conversation in that May. So that was May of 2010. And uh, if it if it weren't for that, I don't know that I would have stayed in ministry. I don't know that I would have survived. And I loved what I was doing. It wasn't even an issue of that. Uh, and I still love what I'm doing. But it, it, it was huge. So I, I had to just realize, um, slow down. Yeah. Stop the timelines. I think the timeline thing is huge. I think we want, or, or we just feel like it's expected that it needs to be right. done in a certain period of time. And like, that's not, that doesn't matter. It just doesn't, it, it does not say on your degree if you got it done expedited or if you got it done right. in six years, like it doesn't, Seven. Never... Seven. Thanks for oh, sorry. You, you really <laughs> you extended it out to make me feel better, and it was not still. But long like, enough, well, I actually didn't. I didn't. I'm just. Trying to go I'm, for your I'm time. kidding. But, I'm kidding. But re- like, it doesn't. It, you still get the degree, and that's right. all that it says on there is what the degree is that you have. Right. Like, it does not completed in two years. Completed in like, it doesn't say any of that. So and no one we cares. put that pressure on ourselves, right. and it doesn't need to be there. And yeah, no, nobody yeah. cares. Nobody cares. So yeah, yeah that was that was one of the darkest moments of my life, and that's what helped. You know, someday we'll break into some other ones, but for mm-hmm. now, that's a good one to kind of spend some time with. So from that to a happy question, why do you love being an adult, Erica? So I read something. Um, I think it was probably on Facebook recently that said the like what they liked this what this person liked about being an adult was that they could go and buy cake whenever they wanted. That's awesome. And I was like it's that is that is very true. And I think when <laughs> when we're like when we're talking to children, like young children, I think in high school you're a little bit you you see the hardship a little bit more that the, can come with adulthood. But like with the kindergartners and stuff that I work with, they're just like, "Oh, you guys get to Adulthood must be great. You can literally eat whatever you want, whenever you want. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. And it's like, no, we can't. Right. We really can't. Right. So, yes, I could go buy cake. I could go buy McDonald's. I could go buy whatever, whenever I wanted to. But I also can't just do whatever I want, whenever I want. I still need to go to work. I still need to all of those things. Anyways, I'm not really <laughs> answering the question. Um, <laughs> let's get back to the question. But I do love it's good. the freedom yeah. That you do have as an adult, which actually, yeah, it you does. did it answer does, the question. It does go that's, in with it. That's yeah. why I was laughing at you. You were answering the question. You just, question. you just weren't giving it a specific answer. No, but freedom. I like the freedom yeah. that comes with being an adult. Yeah. That um, if I want to stay up a couple of hours later, and well, Aaron a lot of times is like, it's time to go to bed. And I'm like, <laughs> that was a great. Like, Stop telling me what to do. That was a great impression of Aaron. We actually say that way. all the time to each other. Like, yeah, we always, yeah. All the time. Stop telling me what you do. Um, if I want to have that ice cream, I can have that ice cream. Mm-hmm. The hard part, though, that comes with that is, you know, just trying to balance all of that. You can't just go crazy all the time. But I do love the freedom 
that comes with being an adult. Yeah. So. That's good. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I think the, you know, freedom is, an, is a good answer to use, but I won't do that because someone just answered it that way. <laughs> uh, I think for me, what I love about being an adult is the, and I don't know if this will totally make sense to people, but the idea of legacy. Mm, mm-hmm. I like the idea of, and whether it's true or not, we'll find out years from now. But I like the idea that what I'm doing is making some type of impact. And I didn't feel that way when I was a kid. And I don't know if it was because the gravitas of not being old enough or something. But there's something about being as old as I am. You know, I'm, I'm a year away from 40 at this point. Uh, and thinking about you've done stuff in 20 years and there's you've left a bit of a legacy. And then the next thing is, OK, so the next 20 to 30 What's that going to look like and, and how do you carry on? So I, I actually love that. I love that idea of I'm, I'm, I'm doing something. There's yeah, something meaningful. tangible happening as an adult. Uh, so I like that. I, and again, my hope is that that continues and carries on and is this great thing. I would love to someone say something to me, you know, to me one day like, oh, 50 years of ministry. What a great, you know, well done. You know, I don't need their praise, but it'd, it'd be really cool to hear someone like grab that moment and go, oh, that is really cool. So, yeah, no, I agree. That is, yeah, I like that too. Yeah. What do you miss the most about not being an adult? So completely other side of the coin of what I just said, the lack of responsibility. Oh, and that, that yes, might have been your answer. Might, and I, and I'll I, go into it too. But. Yeah, but the 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 big one for me was I was pastoring a small church here in Freeport. I was a youth pastor, so I was—I don't even want to give the impression that I was like the pastor, but I was a youth pastor at a smaller church in Freeport. And I remember one day thinking, my spiritual life's getting dry. Oh my goodness, I'm completely responsible for that. And I didn't even notice as a youth group kid that I was really relying on everybody else around me and my youth pastor. Like everybody was always ahead and I was and like a, bringing you up. Yeah, I just always felt like there was someone ahead of me on the, on the, on the journey and it was a really sober moment for me at like 2021 20, to go, there is no one else, Chris. If you're going to feel this way, you got to get up you and do something, something about it. it. Mm-hmm. And I, I ironically at that moment, I, I, I missed the youthful, like, I can do whatever I want. And someone's going to always kind of kick my butt and lead me somewhere better. I'll just wait until Myrtle Beach yeah. to have that, that trip <laughs> high. <laughs> that, right? won't, that won't make sense to everybody. But our youth, group, our youth group did a yearly trip to Myrtle Beach. And it always, it was, it was like. It, it, I mean, it's it's like a retreat. Your spiritual really, that's life, what it is, yeah. your spiritual life in high school is kind of like Myrtle Beach, awesome for a few, uh, you know. Like, yep. and yep. it was always this thing of like we're looking forward to it and had this drive to it, uh, but there was no real responsibility to me. I had no, you know, I might help out here and there, I might be a leader, quote unquote, in youth group, but all, all that was fake compared to what really yes. happened when I yes. had the the mantle of pastor put on me, and I was like, oh man, now I got to step up and do something. So I missed that. How about you? What do you miss about not being an adult? It had to do with the responsibility. Go for too. it. Um, answer it the same way. I mean, my thing is like paying bills. To be real, I didn't really, I didn't pay any bills when I was in high school. Yeah. Not a thing. <laughs> I know some people are like, oh yeah, my mom, or my parents made me pay for car insurance. I think I paid for gas. But I didn't, I, I was, you might say I was blessed that I didn't have to pay for those things. But now I'm... Now we're having to do that sort of thing. <laughs> and it's just like crazy how quickly your paycheck goes to zero. And yeah. you're like, 
And then, of course, you initially go to, I just wish we had more money, but then you realize more money, more problems, right? That's exactly what I think. I mean, Absolutely. that's what I think of every time. So <laughs> more money is not going to solve the problem. But, no. but really just like I didn't have to – I mean, yeah, when I was working, the money was mine. Right. And Well, mine, quote, unquote. I mean, I knew that it wasn't actually mine. Right. But, but I only had to pay for gas. And like when I would go out with my friends – like, I just, it just was so, I mean, I kind of miss, like, sleepovers. I loved those. Yeah. But then in high school, you don't really do them anymore because you can drive. No, and I mean, I, now, sleep, I sleep over all the time now, but it's my house. Yeah, right? And now I don't like sleeping in other beds that aren't my own, you know? Correct, or yeah. Or without my pillow. Totally. to that place where totally. I wake up not feeling very well. But I do just miss... Yeah, I didn't really have to think about that stuff. I think that's right. really what it is. Like, that didn't take up capacity in my mind. Like, when we have to think about, well, we only really try to eat out, like, once a week. So if we eat out twice, we're like, and not like we're it's that dire, but it is kind of, oh, well, then we got to really think about yeah. other areas. And it's just, yeah, that stuff that you're like, I didn't have to think about. I just made sure I had $5 from McDonald's. Right. Like. I just made sure that I could put five. Actually, it was $5 for my gas tank is yeah. really what it was. Yeah. Just to keep it a little above E. If you could fill that thing up, that was, wow. Legit. Luxury. Yeah. But, yeah, just that, 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 that stuff did not take up space in my brain. No. And I think that's what I miss. Right. Is all of that adulthood. Yeah. Not having to take space in my brain. I think that's what I. It's, it's a stark reality for us. Mm-hmm. When all of a sudden we're like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Because <laughs> even before I got married, I mean, I was still living at home, saving money, paying off student loans. Yeah. Paying off lots of student loans. And so I still didn't really pay for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I paid a little bit of rent, and that sometimes was sporadic. But, yeah, I'm just like, oh, golly. <laughs> what I made my mom pay for. I'm like, oh, I should be... <laughs> But let's be real. She'll probably live with us later on in life. So. There you go. Payback. There you go. Payback. Payback. All right. So question number seven. What is your badge of honor so far in adulting? What is the, pin- hard. the pinnacle of Erica's adulting hard. life? I mean, there's a few. I mean, I, I've, I've never, you know, been arrested or put in jail. I mean, that's kind of a, a good thing, that's a right? Low, that's a low bar. That's a good, that's we'll a good thing. <laughs> no. Um, I mean... Yeah, that's hard. I mean, I I do have my master's. That's that. That's a that's nice awesome. thing to. And I did that in. What did I do that in a year and a half or whatever? So, yeah. I mean, that's the perks of being single at that time. And yeah, like I have all the time in the world, you know. So. Um. Oh man, that's hard. Badge of honor. This hasn't quite happened yet, but when I get my student loans paid off, okay. I feel like that will be... And you're close. Um, comparatively speaking. I mean, comparatively speaking, sure. yes. But it still is a lot of money. Yeah. It. I should have done the smart track and went to community college for a couple of years, but I did not. Which is really great advice for people to hear. Yes. But I also, like, looking back, would not trade that time... Because I it, it yeah. exactly yeah. changed me. How, but, how, how very Christian of you. 
I would never do it again. A different, but I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> I the money that. aspect. Actually, what I would have done differently is I would have tried to find far more scholarships. Right. I, in my mind, was just like, oh, I know I'm going to have student loans. So, like, what's twenty more thousand right. times five? So, um, <laughs> if you want to know how much I actually had, um, so I would have, I would have done. I mean, because my school did not really do a ton of scholarships. So I would have found other ones, and I should have done a lot more searching to find all of that, than to, which would have helped pay yeah. for stuff instead of just being like, well, I got to do student loans, so let's just slap more money on that. Cool. That wasn't super smart. But I have, I mean, I'm now done with Sally Mae or Navient. I just did my last payment. Sweet. And so that was there were like five loans on that So one. now it's on to the loan sharks. And now it's on to my private one that right. is. Right, the the guy that you met in the alley and you made a, <laughs> she made a bet that she shouldn't have made and it's it's been really ugly ever since but and, the, and i'm just kidding i'm none not of, in jail none of, none of that happened no none of that happened but i think that will be a very big deal for me when yeah. i have and what's hard is because i will feel like that's an accomplishment i did which is not technically true right because god gave me the job that gave me the money that allowed me to do that and my mom let me stay at home for so many years, all of those things. But, I mean, I've also wished that somebody would just gift me, you know, money that I can put on there. But Chick-fil-A, if you're listening, sponsorships. It's always be. it's always so sad when you're watching some of these game shows, like Wheel of Fortune, and you're like, when the, whatever they win, you're like, and that wouldn't even put a dent in my studio. Right. That's really sad. But right. anyways, I digress. What is your badge of honor so far in adulting? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, the thing that I'm most – okay, walking with Jesus, awesome. Being married to Heidi and how great she is, awesome. Having children that are as awesome as they are, because if I don't say those things, I'm going to get talked to <laughs> later. All of those things are totally true. Those would be easy badges of honor, probably the things that people would expect. I think – what I want to put on the badge of honor here, and this, I think this is important for young adult ministry. I am so proud of the individuals that I've had time with discipling them and then actually watching them grow into their own version of themselves and following Jesus still. So there's, there's individuals and this, this is like kind of a precursor to podcasts that are coming down the road. But when we talk about discipleship and I think about individuals who I've had the blessing, God brought them into my life for whatever reason. Uh, in some ways you're one of those, like, mm-hmm. you know, you, like I shouldn't say in some ways, in many ways you're one of those, although you were, I don't know if I was the loudest voice in your life, you know what I'm saying? But, mm-hmm. but to watch you walking with Jesus, being a great wife, you know, in the future going to be a great mother and all those things. Like, that is awesome. And I love that. And I, I love seeing people who have actually stuck it out and walked with the faith. You know, there's individuals that are in ministry right now that I was a part of that journey with them. And that is so cool to see. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think my badge of honor are the individuals in my life, and there's a number of names popping in my head, um, that God gave me time with. I was a good steward with that time. And now they are faithfully walking with the Lord and making an impact in their own church or their own ministry or their own whatever, that that's, that's significant for me. It goes back to that legacy thing that I mm-hmm. talked about a little bit yeah. ago. Like, I love that I have a few individuals that still reach out to me and go, hey, what would you do about this? What would you do about this? And they, they really like uh, the impact that 
I, I was lucky enough to be a part of in their life. So I, I don't want to make it sound like I've done anything amazing. It's not that, but, but what I'm, aside from those three big things, walking with Jesus, you know, walking with Heidi and walking with my kids in life, right below that, you know, the obvious are, mm-hmm. it's that. So similar to you, I mean, in the sense of, you know, my badge of honor is not all the things that people would expect. It's, it's, those are all there. Yeah. But, but my big one is, is probably that. Yeah. So, all right, there we go. Seven questions. Let us know what you think. Did you like it? Do you want us to do this again? Did you hate it? Do you never want to listen to us again? I suppose if they do that, they're never going to probably reach out to us and tell us that anyway. Probably not. Who knows? What kind of person would do that? They reach out and they're like, I'm never listening to you again. Well. That's amazing. I have, I mean, when I listen to some of the podcasts that I listen to and they like will do funny reviews or something that they have. Mm. There are some of them that will leave Mm. some negative reviews and then they're like, lost me as a listener. So, and then they're like, bye. Right. Yeah. 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 So it does happen. Hey, maybe it's coming. Not for us at this point in our podcasting. We're so likable. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yamcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember to check us out on all the socials like Instagram at the Yamcast. We love to hear back from you guys, so please leave us a comment or a review, and we might even send you guys a sticker. Also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com.